0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. The opportunity to sing praises to your name, Father. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. I pray, Lord, that as we consider who you are, we consider your glory and your majesty, Father. I pray that you would just work in our hearts. You would work in our minds, Father. You would help us to see clearly exactly who you are and to see clearly what you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for this time of giving. I pray it would be time, Father, when you would be honored and glorified. I pray that we would give, Lord, with a joyful heart. Lord, you would take the money that we give and use it for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We ask our ushers to come forward and we'll continue to worship together in tithes and offerings. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word, Lord. I pray for the eyes of our hearts to be open, Lord. I pray you would give us clarity of thought and understanding, Lord. And I pray you would speak to us in a mighty and powerful way. I pray we would remove the things in our, in our mind that keep us from focusing on you and the distractions of life, Father. And we would just understand who you are very clearly. And you would speak to us so that we may understand. And be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. In the mid-1980s, the J. Paul Getty Art Museum in Los Angeles, California purchased a very rare and very valuable Greek statue. Now the exact amount of the statue that they paid for the statue was never fully disclosed, but most experts at the time believed that the museum paid somewhere around $10 million for the statue. Now, adjusted for inflation, that would be somewhere around $20 million today. The statue was carved out of marble. It stood six feet, eight inches tall. It was an impressive sculpture that dated from around 530 B.C., and it was an incredible find for the museum. It had clear features. It was intact completely. It was called one of the most significant finds in American art history. And it arrived with great fanfare and great excitement, and people came from all around to view the statue. It was perfect. Except for one small problem it was a fake. A very well done and realistic forgery. Now, the Getty Museum intended to buy an authentic piece of Greek history, they never wanted to spend $10 million on a fake. Now, the museum still owns the piece. In fact, you can go to the website and you can read about this statue. And under the statue on their website, it reads, Greek, about 530 B.C., or a modern forgery. (laughs) You say, that's an interesting story, Adam. But why would you begin your sermon speaking of a fake Greek statue at the J. Paul Getty Art Museum in Los Angeles, California? Here's why. Because I wonder how many of us appear to be a real follower of Jesus Christ when in fact we're not. One of the things that I fear the most as a pastor are people within our church that live a fake life. They may say all the right things. They may act the right way. They may attend church regularly. They may even have walked the aisle as a child and repeated a prayer, but their faith isn't real. And they're simply playing a game. And I want you to understand something very clearly. When you begin to play games with God, you're walking on very, very thin ice. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm saying here. I'm certainly not trying to scare you into thinking that you're not a believer. But over the next several weeks, I want to delve into Scripture and I want to think clearly and I want to think biblically about salvation and about our walk with Christ. The Bible tells us very clearly that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we should bear fruit. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we should be conformed more and more into His image and so over the next several weeks, we're going to examine the truth of Scripture. We're going to examine our walk. We're going to examine our lives. And as we examine this passage of Scripture, and as we understand more about who Christ is, we're going to answer one very simple question. Are we playing a game with God, or do we have authentic faith? So with that in mind, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 John First John, our focal passage this morning will be chapter one, verses one through four. And today we begin a study in the book of First John. Now, if you've ever read First John and you've read the Gospel of John, you'll know that it's written by the same person. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote first, second, and third John. And there are a lot of similarities between these books. If you've ever studied and examined these books, you would see that there are themes that carry out through the Gospel of John and carry out through 1 John. Themes like life, love, light, darkness. And John wrote 1 John in the context of false teachings. There had been a group of people within the church that had arisen, that had left the church, and had come back and began to teach falsely about who Jesus Christ was. So 1 John is a very practical letter. It gives us a guide and a picture of exactly what our walk ought to look like and exactly how our faith ought to play itself out in our lives. And here's my hope and my prayer over the next many weeks. My hope and my prayer is that this study will challenge you more than any other study we've ever done because it's so practical. And it's going to speak so clearly into your life and into your heart. So we'll begin this morning in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We'll read this together. First John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Verse 2, The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things to make our joy complete. Now there's some truths in this passage of Scripture that we need to examine. And there's some truths in this passage of Scripture that we need to compare to our own lives and to our own hearts. And there are three things I want to pull out from this text this morning and help you understand as John lays for us a clear foundation upon which the rest of the book will be built. The first truth I want you to see and the first truth I want you to understand and examine in your own heart is number one this. We must, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, proclaim the message of Christ. If our faith is authentic, we must proclaim the message of Christ. Now John begins here with Jesus Christ because he understands that it's our foundation. He understands that our relationship with Jesus Christ and our life and our faith must be built upon Jesus Christ, and upon who He is, and upon all that He has accomplished. But look back at verse one just for a second, if you would. John does something very interesting here in verse one. He's got three different ideas he wants us to see. John says in John chapter one or First John chapter one, verse one, that which we have, that which was from the beginning, which we have. Number one, heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John says there's this progression. The first thing we did is we heard about Jesus Christ. That's an allusion to the Old Testament, to the writings of the past. John says we've heard about Christ, we've read about him, we knew Messiah was coming, we knew that the Savior was on the way, but then secondly, we've seen him. And we've seen evidence of who he is and we've seen his work in our hearts and in our lives and in our midst. And then the third thing he says, above the hearing, above the seeing, we have touched him. It's personal. See, because when we have touched Jesus and when Jesus has touched us, our lives are never the same. You guys may remember, if you, if you have children or you, or you have grandchildren, you, you, you'll remember when your children were born and you remember the, the progression of, of that process early in the pregnancy. I'll never forget, Amy and I, you know, we, kinda, we had the little pregnancy test and the little plus, right? So we know something's going on. So we schedule to go to the doctor and we go to the doctor and we have this very interesting progression of, of learning about our child and understanding our child. The first progression is we get to hear the heartbeat of the child, right? So you guys that are dedicating a young child today, that was not too long ago for you. And I'll never forget the first time. And by the way, don't, don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that life doesn't begin at conception. <laughs> when there's just a few days of conception, there is a heartbeat. And so we, we listened to that heartbeat and we, we, could, we could hear that heartbeat. And it was the first indication that this was real for us. And as we progress through those weeks and those months, we, we got to go have an ultrasound and we got to see a picture of our child and we got to see video of our child. So we've, we've heard our child and we've seen our child and we're beginning to understand more what this life is gonna be like. But on the day of the birth of that child, when that baby is born and for the first time ever, you touch your newborn child, everything changes. See, we, we, we've heard And we've seen, but the touch of Jesus Christ in our hearts, the touch of Jesus Christ in our lives changes everything. John says this is the foundation upon which you have to build your life. If if your faith is authentic, you must have seen and heard, but Christ must have touched your life. There must be something different. John says "We, we don't base our lives on the speculation of the world. We don't base our lives on our own experiences or our own opinions. We don't base our lives on what other people say. We base our lives on the truth and the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's a measure of authentic faith. But John does something very interesting here as he he writes about who Christ is. He uses a phrase, he says, the word of God brings life. Now that's a theme we see all through the gospel of John. But it's a theme we see in 1 John as well. So let me give you some examples of John's writing in the gospel. John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, listen to what he says, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." John 6:35 then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty." John 4, chapter ten chapter 4, verse 10 says this, Jesus answered her, speaking to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Christ says, I am life. And upon that foundation, you have to build your walk with me. It's interesting to me how in these passages of scripture, Christ substitutes our physical needs for our spiritual needs. He says, you, you need bread and water to survive. Those things are important, but I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And if you eat bread and drink water, you will hunger and thirst again. But if you partake in me, spiritually, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty but here's the amazing part about who Christ is in our lives. Without him coming to earth and without him being born all those centuries ago and entering this world, we never would have had this opportunity. We never would have experienced his grace and his mercy and his love. John Stott, who's one of my favorite authors, says this, we could not have seen the one who was eternally with the Father unless he had taken the initiative deliberately to manifest himself Human beings can apprehend only what God is pleased to make known. See, see, Christ had to come to earth before we could experience, before we could hear and see and touch him. And John said, this is the foundation, the proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which we have to build everything about who we are. But I want to look at verses 1 and 2 again. We're going to pull those up on the screen for you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what John says. It's very interesting here. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and with our hands have touched. We've seen that now. This, now watch this, we proclaim concerning the word of life. Look at verse 2. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John says, this this is very important for us to understand. If we're going to claim authentic faith... Then we should be proclaiming the message of Christ to other people. If we're going to claim to be a believer, then we should understand all that Christ has done for us, and a part of our lives should be sharing that faith with other people. It's interesting, when you hear a great story or hear something very interesting, you want to tell other people, don't you? You want to share that story with other people. We we live in kind of a, a YouTube world, don't we? We live in an internet world. Now, if you want to waste an hour of your life, get on YouTube. Because you'll watch one video and you'll think, wow, that cat that was singing and juggling is amazing. I'd like to see another cat video. So they give you all these opportunities, right? And so it's been an hour and you looked at 15 cat videos of singing and you're like, what what happened to the last hour of my life, right? I I literally, and I'm not going to point them out, but the person in this room yesterday showed me a video of goats singing pop songs. That's true. And I laughed and laughed. when I, How many of you have seen the goats singing? Let's be honest. Look, see that? Yeah, there, right? Now, he, here's the point, right? You didn't hear about those goats singing on the news, did you? You didn't read about them on some newspaper. There wasn't some full page ad about goats singing pop songs. You know how you heard about these goats singing pop songs? Somebody that you know told you, didn't they? Well, have you seen the goats singing the pop song? You got to go to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, come on, let's go watch it, right? Or you email it to your friend. So YouTube works because we like to share experiences, don't we? We like to share funny stories. It's kind of like that with Christ, but here's the problem. Why is it that we're so willing to share about goats singing pop songs, but we're not willing to share about Jesus Christ in our lives? Why is that? Why are we so excited to share these silly little videos online but we won't tell anybody about what Jesus Christ has done in our lives? John says, this is a clear indication of faith, folks. You need to be proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And if you're not doing that, I'm going to challenge you with something. If you're not sharing your faith in any way, you need to either check your salvation or you need to pray for forgiveness and ask for more of a desire to share. Because John said our life is built upon Christ, our faith is built upon Christ, and an indication of authentic faith is that we're proclaiming that message, that we're sharing that message, that we're telling other people about who Christ is and all Christ has done and how Christ has changed us into the image of who he wants us to be. But I want to look at verse 3 as we continue to move through this progression. 1 John 1, 3, listen to what he says. We proclaim to you, What we have seen and heard so that you also may have. Now watch this. Fellowship with us. So there's the progression, right? And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So here's how it works. We begin with a foundation of Jesus Christ. As we have a foundation with Jesus Christ, we, we begin to proclaim that message. And as we proclaim that message, here's the second point. The message of Christ leads us to fellowship. Foundation of Jesus Christ, a proclamation of who he is in our lives. And through that proclamation of Jesus Christ, we are led into fellowship. Now I want you to hear me and I want you to understand something about your Christian walk. Christianity is not simply about following rules. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we, we get confused and we kind of come up with this list of all the things we ought to be doing as a Christian. And we come up with this list of all the things we ought to check off. And so we kind of come up with this this. Whole list of things we ought to be doing. And so at the top is something like this Well, I went to church. I'm going to check that off the list. That's a good thing. And I read my Bible once last week, so that's a good thing. And I spent a little time in prayer last week, so I'm going to check that off. And by the way, I gave some to the church. That's a good thing. I'm going to check that off the list. And we, we've got this list of what Christianity ought to be. And, and those things are good, and, and we should do those things. But if we're not careful, Christianity becomes a list of things we just check off a sheet of paper. That's not what the Scripture teaches. John is clear here and the scripture is clear over and over that a true relationship with Jesus Christ is about fellowship with him and about knowing him more deeply and about spending time with him. I've been down with our youth last week and I was out of town in Guatemala but the week before that and I'm leading our youth through a study called Experiencing God. If you've ever done Experiencing God, you know the power of that study. It's it's probably the gold standard of discipleship. Programs. It's been around for, for many years and has been translated into many languages around the world. And, and literally millions of people have gone through this study. But the, at the essence of this study of experiencing God, they help us understand that experiencing God is, is not about checking off boxes in some book. It's not about filling in blanks on some sheet of paper. To really experience God, we have to know Him. And we have to have fellowship with Him. and We have to have a relationship with Him so it's not enough for us just to know who Jesus is. It's not enough to know the Bible stories. It's not enough just to come to church. We need a real relationship with Jesus Christ if our faith is going to be authentic. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a great preacher of the 20th century... I'm reading through his commentary on 1 John. By the way, 1 John has got five chapters. It's about three pages in your Bible. Martin Lloyd-Jones has written a commentary over 700 pages on that one book. And in that book, he's talking about the importance of fellowship with the Father and the Son. And here's what he says. Here is the whole object, the ultimate, the goal of all Christian experience and all Christian endeavor. This, beyond any question, is the central message of the Christian gospel and of the Christian faith. The Christian life is not essentially an application of teaching, which, what's this, it's a fellowship. It's a communion with God himself and nothing less. So you say, great, Adam, that, that, that's, that's good teaching. I get that. I understand that. We're supposed to have a foundation built on Christ. We're supposed to proclaim his name. We're supposed to have fellowship with him. But here's the question, Adam, how do we have fellowship with God? How am I supposed to fellowship with him more than I'm fellowshiping now, and you say, Well, okay, what are some of the what are some of the characteristics of fellowship? So I looked up the word fellowship and we we can define it like this it's a friendly association with people who share one's interests. Or it's a group of people meeting to pursue a shared interest or aim. And, and those things are good, and we can talk about a definition of fellowship, but if we whittle down fellowship to its core, if we will whittle down fellowship to it to its simplest form, it's all about communication, isn't it? When you sit down with good friends over coffee or you sit down with good friends over dinner, what's a big part of what you do? You talk with one another, don't you? You fellowship with one another. You communicate with each other. Imagine how strange it would be if you sat down with friends and the entire evening nobody said a word. See, true fellowship is about communication. Amy and I, when we were first married, we were to dinner one night and when we, we sat there. And of course, we're a newlywed couple, so we're aware of things maybe that... Couples that have been married a few years aren't as aware of, or maybe things were more important to us, I don't know. But we, we noticed this couple sitting next to us, a little bit older than us. And, and you know, you, you try not to listen into conversations. We, we just noticed that this couple sitting next to us, they weren't talking. And as we kind of progressed through our meal, we, we just noticed they're not talking and they're still not talking. And we, we sat there for 45 minutes and we watched this couple. They didn't say one word to each other. And Amy and I just, we, we're talking, what's, what's wrong with this picture, right? What's wrong with this couple? What's, is something wrong with their marriage? Are they fighting about something? Are they struggling? Is one of them sick? And we both kind of acknowledge at that point, we, we don't ever want our marriage to be like that. We don't ever want to sit down to a meal and never talk. Why? Because communication is essential to fellowship, isn't it? It's essential to relationships. It's essential to our walk with Christ It's amazing to me as as I talk to to couples that are struggling in their marriage how oftentimes communication gets overlooked. Marriages fail because the husband and the wife never actually communicate. And so if we're going to talk about a fellowship with Christ and we're going to talk about a relationship with Christ, it has to be built around communication. We communicate to, to God through our prayers. He communicates to us through His Word. And yet sometimes we ask ourselves the question, why why am I not spending more time in prayer? Why am I not spending more time in in, in studying the word of God? It's very interesting because we don't have a hard time talking to the people we love, do we? We don't have a hard time communicating with the people we care deeply about. Why do we have such a hard time communicating with Christ? So I want to put something up on the screen. It's a statement that I wrote that I want you to think about. I want it to challenge you. If you find that you never communicate with God, either through prayer or Bible reading, you need to re-examine your relationship with Him. If you're in a place where you're saying, "I just man, I don't ever pray and I don't really ever spend time reading the Word of God," you need to examine your relationship with Christ. You may be playing that game. You may be pretending to be something that you're not because John said if if you're serious about your faith, if it's authentic, if Christ really is your foundation, then you need to have a relationship with him. And in order to have a relationship with Christ, you need to be communicating with him. And if you never communicate with him, you need to re-examine your walk. Now, for some people, that's going to be a little bit of a a tweak. You're going to have to change a few things. You're going I to say, you're right, Adam, I need to reprioritize some things and I need, to, I need to pray like I used to or I need to study the Word of God like I used to. But for others of you, you may be sitting there right now and you may be thinking, I've never done that. I've never experienced that. I've never had a real time of prayer or a real time of fellowship. For some of you, I think for the first time, you may come to the realization that your faith isn't authentic. That maybe it's not real. That maybe you have been playing a game And I want to challenge you with that idea, and I want to challenge you with that thought, and I want to challenge you to examine your hearts, to examine your lives, to examine your walk, and to be totally honest with yourself and with Christ about who you are and where you stand in relationship to Him. Now look again at verse 3. 1 John 1 verse 3 says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that, watch this, you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. So so we understand that it begins with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We understand that. But we also understand that this message needs us to have fellowship with other people as well, right? Now John is going to delve into these specifics as we walk through this book over the next many weeks. And he's going to help us better understand what an authentic faith ought to look like. But here's one of the things he's going to say about an authentic faith. He says one of the marks of an authentic faith is good relationships with other people. And he's going to make this, this, this very difficult argument. He's going, to, he's going to make this very convicting argument that if you claim to have authentic faith, but in some way show anger or hatred towards your brother, then you may not actually have it. Now, that's very challenging to us because as we read through this study, as we read through the book of John, we're we're gonna ask ourselves questions like, have we treated each other with Christian love? Have we done everything we can to repair broken relationships? Have we forgiven others even as God has forgiven us? You say, well, I I don't have a good relationship with that person, but it's not because I hadn't tried. I've prayed and I've worked, and for whatever reason, they don't wanna be a part of my life. John says, if you're gonna claim authentic faith, you need to live at peace with other people. You need to think about your relationship with Christ and with God and you need to think about your relationship with other people and you need to be challenged if you struggle in those areas to re-examine who you are and what God's calling you to do. Because if we're truly Christians, we should be walking with God. We should be reading His Word. We should be praying regularly. We should be enjoying fellowship with other people. And I want you to see how John ends this, verse 4 says this. He says, we write these things, we've done all these things to make our joy complete. So John says there's a foundation of Christ and a proclamation of Christ. After that, we understand that that proclamation leads us to fellowship with God and it leads us to fellowship with other people. And then the third point I want you to see is that fellowship with Christ will ultimately lead us to joy. Our fellowship with Christ will lead us to joy. Now, the Bible gives all sorts of examples of joy. If you were to get your concordance out and look up the word joy, you could find it in all sorts of different passages. But I want to read a couple of quick examples to you of joy in the Scripture, and I want you to see if you can come up with a common theme here. Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. John chapter 15, verses 9, 10, and 11 say this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you so. So that in my joy may be made complete in you and that your joy may be made complete. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at your right hand. See, here's the interesting thing about joy in the Scripture. Over and over and over, it's found in our relationship to Christ, in our relationship to others. Here's a truth that I think needs to resonate in your heart. Nowhere in the Bible is joy ever tied to the possessions that we own. Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible is joy ever tied to our material things. Nowhere in the Bible is joy ever tied to how much money we make or the job we have or the house that we live in or the car that we drive. Joy in Scripture is always found in Christ in our relationship to others. We've had about a week and a half since we got back from Guatemala and and, and I've had the opportunity personally to look through a lot of those pictures and and watch that video again. And, And there's something I just can't quite get my mind around. There's something I'm I'm still personally just struggling with a little bit. As I look at these pictures and I remember these people and I remember the stories and I I remember our experience, I'm just still amazed at the joy those children have in the midst of absolute poverty. I'm just having a hard time getting my head around that. Because these kids live in a hut in the jungle and they're playing with sticks, (laughs) And they have a joy that I worry some of us may never experience. See, even in their abject poverty, I think maybe they've learned something that we haven't. Joy doesn't come in the things that you own. It comes in your experiences and your relationships and life. And for some reason in America and in the Western culture, at some point in our history, we've bought into this lie that the more stuff we can have, the happier we'll be. I had a conversation with somebody this week that was struggling a little bit and this person explained to me that the more stuff they had, the more difficulties they found in life and the more struggles that they found trying to maintain all that stuff. It's just interesting to me as we study the Word of God and we study what John says and we study all these other places in Scripture, we see it over and over and over that only our fellowship with Christ will lead us to joy. It's never linked to the things that we And so I ask myself the question What what if we could spend as much time In the pursuit of material things If we could spend all that time in the pursuit of Christ What if we took all the time And effort we put into trying to make more money And save more money and buy more stuff And we put that into spending more time In relationship with Jesus Christ And we put that into more time Spending in relationship with other people I I just wonder what joy we would be able To experience So for the next several weeks we're going to delve into the book of first john and my prayer is that this study will force you as i hope you've already seen just a taste of it this morning force you to examine your walk force you to examine your faith force you to think through the way that you live your life so i want to challenge you as we finish up this morning with a very simple question I want to challenge you to go home and consider this question and answer it in your own heart and your own life. Do you have an authentic faith? And I want to challenge you not just to brush over that question and not just to think that you've answered it before and not just to think because you grew up in a church that your faith is real. I want you to answer the question of authentic faith. And I want to ask you if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ If you have real, genuine fellowship and communication with him, does he bring you joy in all things? Have you experienced the love of Jesus Christ? And you need to go home and answer this question. Do you have authentic faith? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to spend time reading your text, Lord. I pray that we just hear what you have to say to us, Lord. We'd, we'd hear the truth of the message of First John. And I pray, Lord, that it would convict our hearts and it would convict our minds, Lord. And I pray that we would examine our own hearts and our own faith, Lord. And I pray through this study of First John over the next many weeks, Lord, that you would just speak clearly to us. And through our study, Lord, we would know you more and we'd be challenged to walk in your footsteps and to do the things you've called us to do. I pray for the hearts of the people of this church, Father. I pray they would take very seriously their walk and their salvation. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't just glaze over that question and assume some things. What I pray, we'd really be challenged by this teaching. And I pray, Lord, as we're challenged and as we examine the truth of the Word of God, I pray that we'd be conformed more into your image and changed into the men and women of God you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a few minutes if if you want to pray down here at the altar or maybe you want to pray where you are as you examine your own heart, you examine your faith. And I want to challenge you with that question about authentic faith. I want to challenge you with where you might be in your life. And I want you to answer that question. And so maybe you need to spend some time in prayer at the altar. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer right where you are. But some of you may recognize for the first time in your life you've never had that authentic faith never experienced Jesus Christ and you never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and maybe you need to settle that today by repenting of your sins accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior maybe you want to join this church and align yourself with a body of believers that seeks to do the will of God in all things this is your time right now as we sing together thank you for joining today's sermon we would love to hear how today's message blessed you use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org God bless